0: Today's episode is sponsored by Discovered Magazine. Discovered is a international print counterculture magazine encompassing the best of music, art, skateboarding, and anything with a punk ethos. Listeners get 10% off a yearly subscription using the code FIRSTEVER, spelled out, when you visit store.dscvrd.co. Welcome to the first ever podcast. I am your host, Jeremy Bolm. If this is your first time here, this is a show where I interview artists of all kinds about the first experiences and their art form that led them to where they are today. I am so excited about my guest this week. I am talking to Tim Singer. Tim fronted the band Dead Guy, who are currently playing some reunion shows, which had my mind completely blown that's uh you know there's always a handful of bands you think you'd never get to see um so they're starting it off in philadelphia at the decibel fest out there and then they're going to be playing in los angeles at the decibel fest out here i uh i'm just so thrilled and um i've always looked at tim singer as just this you know force of nature and uh, i never really you know figured i'd ever get a chance to talk to someone like him and it happened so um yeah, Tim Sang in a in Dead Guy. He also was a singer of Kiss a Goodbye. He was a singer of No Escape. And he has some more newer bands like a, a band called Bitter Branches which has been super active as well as a band called Process Black. Um I just love uh seeing seeing Tim have like this uh this the second wave of uh of musical output. And it was a, it was a blast to talk to him. Um this is a really cool conversation. And uh but before we get there Let's talk about my friends over at Rootless Coffee. Rootless Coffee Company is a small batch roaster out of Flint, Michigan, making high-end coffee with bags designed by some of the comic industry's rising stars, collaborating with artists, bands, brands, nonprofits, wrestlers, comedians, and more. Rootless is the punk rock gateway to craft coffee. Easy to understand and delicious roast options. Listeners get 20% off their order using the code HARDTIMES at checkout. When they visit rootlesscoffee.com, any size, any grind, any time, break free from boring. And uh, what else do I want to talk about? Oh, hit up my Patreon, patreon.com slash the first ever Patreon to just, you know, support the show over there. If you would like to, you get a lot of bonus stuff, bonus episodes, bonus radio hours, just a, a whole discord community. We're doing a lot over there. And, uh, if you haven't subscribed to the show here on, uh, Apple or Spotify, I would really appreciate that. But without further ado, here is my conversation with Tim Singer. Tim, thank you so much for, for hanging out with me today. This is, uh, I got to say, this is an honor for me. I've been a fan of yours, uh, since the nineties and this is our first time ever, ever talking. So thanks for coming on.
1: No worries, man. Um, glad to meet you as close as possible you know yeah for these
0: days I I feel like like half the band like live photos of my band I've been I've worn a dead guy shirt like it just happened like to the point where I feel like people might start to think (laughs) think it's the only shirt I own you know one of those things (laughs) (laughs) and like on tour we'll want to like post photos from like the multiple nights to like help promote other shows and it's like because I'm constantly wearing the same shirt it feels like you know, e- either it's it's all from one show, or I don't have a change of clothes, but that's right, fine right, too. Right.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's funny because I actually tend to wear the same shit for a couple of shows, even if it's disgusting, just because. You know, yeah, you don't want to have like, to pack, pack like too much. You're, yeah, you're a superhero, right? You wear the same <laughs> show. That's what Tom from Kissing Goodbye used to say.
0: I'm, like, I'm a superhero. I wear the same shit every day. Yeah, it's your yeah. it's your uniform. I get it. Yeah, uh, exactly. So are, you're originally from New Jersey. Correct. Yeah. What born part? born
1: in Europe, but raised in New Jersey. Okay. What part? I grew up in Summit, New Jersey, which is uh a suburb, an affluent suburb, I guess you would say, of New York City. Cause it okay. had a direct had a direct train line into the city. A lot of a lot of Wall Street dads, that kind of thing. <clears throat> um what that meant for me was like by the time I was 12, 13, I could get to New York City by myself or with my friends. And it was like I don't know this amazing playground, right? Like, yeah, especially uh the village and Tompkins Square Park and you know record stores and I remember, you know, my, my brother was four years older and he'd come back and be like, so you know, to put this in context, too, this we're talking like 1983, 84. He'd be like, I saw someone with blue hair, you know, shit like that, <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. Like it was a big deal, and I'm like, what are you talking about? You yeah,
0: know,
1: it was just exciting, you know. How many? So,
0: how many record stores from back then are still around today? Are there really any of them?
1: Um, I mean, I haven't been to Manhattan in a while, but the sure. ones I frequented and I worked at Venus Records, they're, they're long gone. Yeah. Um, like St. Mark's Place, which was like a, almost like an unofficial hangout area, like between sets at CBGB's. It was a short walk to St. Mark's Place. Cool comic shop. Uh, cool veggie eats record store um all that stuff's gone and i think there's like a chipotle where Beckers, you know like for right me, you know what i mean like um yeah classic. yeah because i took my kids on a tour um not too long ago like we went to new york and for shits and giggles i i sort of took them on this like almost john joseph kind of tour I'm like, okay, this is the subway stop I used to get off on, and walk down Bleecker Street, and at the end there, that was CBGB's, which is now a John Varvatos, you know, some right? Kind of, some kind of high end thing, and I'm like right there was a bodega where I'd get these disgusting fruit pies between sets, you know, <laughs> and then, and, and and now that's like posh high rat, you know, whatever, you know, and then walk down, and I'm like, and this is where I, I took him to St. Mark's Place. And I'm like, the record store used to be here, but you know, and it was just it's um, it so- crazy how how much it's just changed and. Really 15 years.
0: It's such a trip. Like I have to imagine, I mean, the I think via the, uh, the equivalent that we have on the West Coast is now Gilman Street across the street from it is this like super fancy high-end brewery. Oh at, God. You know what I'm saying? Where you're just yeah. like, this is I mean, from even from the first time I ever went to Gilman to even now, it's you know, it's a difference of like twelve years or something like that. And it just, it's not the same place. It's crazy.
1: And then you just start to feel like, I'm like, I think I'm becoming that old man who talks about what stuff used to be. Except except we're talking about like iconic shit, right? Right. Like CBGB's is iconic, you know? Yeah. St. Mark's Place used to be a real cultural hub, right? It was a, you know, now it's just sort of chain stores and just shit. You know. Sure.
0: What was was some of your first uh, shows that you went to? at CBGBs, just out of curiosity, if you remember.
1: Um, Oh, no, I've been thinking about this because of of talking to you and and sort of um, the history of things. And for some reason, I was thinking about these pivotal moments in my life um, because, you know, your first band is definitely one of those. But uh, yeah, so the Ritz, which seemed like a really big club, would have shows of like touring bands like Social Distortion, Black Flag, Circle Jerks, DOA, um, Dead Kennedys. Um, I went to a couple of those shows, cro being one of the epic ones and Circle Jerks being another really epic one. Um, but it wasn't until April, I think it was April, 1986 CBGB's agnostic front <clears throat> that I forget, you know why that was my first CB show or anything, but I just remember, you know, I was already an agnostic front fan. I had victim in pain. Um, and CBS was always this sort of scary thing to think about going to because you just heard it was like this, it was like the real thing, right? Yeah, like the Ritz shows were made for kids like me from the suburbs, with our you know taking the taking the subway into the city, you know tying our flannels around our waists and trying to get guts to like go into the pit or, or it's get probably up on stage, you know. It's pro-
0: I imagine it's probably like a, a bit of a bigger room too, so you can kind of find yeah. cor- find corners to sort oh, of for like sure. disappear you know, into. And-
1: and in the eighties it was like you would drag your any any friend that just didn't fit into the fold yeah and you know because you tr- almost like just to gather numbers like my posse in in high school was like a deadhead and just a japanese exchange student like it was like a eighties movie right like yeah it was like a thing. ragtag so, group of yeah, friends yeah. totally yeah. ragtag it wasn't like <laughs> we were like all like listening to discord and stuff like that so yeah um yeah. So like, so, and we, we'd all go to the show and some of us wanted to be in the pit and some of us didn't kind of thing, you know? <clears throat> yeah. And there's plenty of places to hide. It's like the prom, right? You can hang out <laughs> in the back.
0: You know? <laughs> right. Um, whereas like CBGBs, I mean, at least from all, you know, I've, I obviously oh. never got to go, but like the photos and the videos I've seen for all my life, like it. In my in my head, I I've made it seem like it's a hundred cap room, but I'm sure it was much. It was bigger than that, but yeah,
1: not much bigger though, right? Yeah, yeah probably 200, right? Um, I I never really thought about what the cap was because it was always actually I'm it was sure always it wasn't, packed, but yeah, I'm it sure it wasn't regulated. <laughs> yeah, that's true too, right? As much as much as they could get at the door, I'm sure they were like, yeah. Um, but yeah, that show. It's like the stage was no higher than my desk, you know. And there's Agnostic Front, and to me, a rock star. Like, the Ritz shows were very much still rock experiences, right? Like, you never had a chance to go talk to the band. Like, if you really were savvy, you could get up on stage, run across the stage before a bouncer tried to kill you. Right. But, you know, um, but it wasn't like the Springsteen video where someone was, like, pulling you upstage and you're going to dance with John, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, then they disappeared backstage after the show. So it was, like, a cool experience, but it wasn't what i think we recognize to be true like hardcore punk experiences sure so cbs and a lot of these is my first a quote unquote real show um yeah so that was ep- i mean and then i sort of didn't look back from that right I, I was no longer interested in these ritz shows um and adam nathanson from life's blood slash born against i remember actually the first time i met him he was outside those ritz shows handing out fires saying basically fuck these ritz shows the promoter's crooked because that guy's fucking been righteous the whole time. Yeah. Know, and he, and he yeah. Was just awesome. And I remember like be- becoming friends with him, seeing friends, I guess you'd say. um Years later, you know, and I think I shared with him like I was like, "Yeah, I remember you. You hit me a flyer when I was still just a dipshit in high school, you
0: know." <laughs> um, <laughs> oh that's awesome so yeah I mean uh it sounds like you're from. you know you're a little bit uh familiar with you know what the show is and so one of the first things I'd like to ask uh musicians that come on is do you remember the first thing that you listened to like the first music that you listened to that you connected with that like you know felt like it was yours or like uh, and with that like what kind of music was around in your household when you were growing up
1: yeah so uh in my household growing up I the it was a pretty broken household so i was i was tagging along i was getting all my cues from my older brothers four years older right and uh he i mean it started. you know he he was born in 64 so and i was born in 68 so we grew up on sort of zeppelin sabbath aerosmith all that kind of shit right mm-hmm. and i would just hang out in his room and i cool and smoke cigarettes and Listen to his records, like Rolling Stone Sticky Fingers had the zipper on it. Yeah. Um, but then I remember um I remember sex pistols making a big impression on me, right? And we were just angry kids too. Like we were just uh raised by wolves, right? So and, and angry at the worlds um for a bunch of family type stuff, yeah. So I think that kind of really rebellious nihilistic stuff really resonated. Um, and I remember like one of the, I remember walking to his room once and he had, and he would go to New York and come back with records all the time. Right. And I remember dead Kennedy's too drunk to fuck being like in this pile of records. And I was like, can you do that? Like, can you be called the dead Kennedy's?
0: Yeah. And can your
1: record be called too drunk to fuck? I'm like, Holy shit. Right. So I was just drawn to that kind of freedom, you know, that kind of reverence. And, um, you know, and it's like, back then it's like you just play the shit out of whatever record you have in a way right and i remember but the one that really probably grabbed me first was um suicidal tendencies Uh, because that sort of alone in your room all i wanted was a pepsi like yeah and i did all your shit and um i don't know that really spoke to me right and my wife has actually pointed out that it like it probably affected even the way I approach vocals and and doing my rants and stuff like that. You know, that's
0: interesting. Right, right when you sort of pointed that out in the back of my mind, I was like, I could see how that became an ingrained thing for how you approached right. a lot of the stuff you do in your bands. That's interesting.
1: Yeah, and it's one of those. I didn't. It's one of those you decode it later. And you're yeah. Like, yeah, that's probably true because I still hold that in high esteem. I still think I think that record. I think institutionalized is such a smart song. You know, and gets sort of overlooked in, in a way, right? Like straight yeah. edge and all that kind of stuff is so re- held in high esteem. And I'm like, institutionalized is so fucking smart, you know. Like uh, it, in, it's, in my mind,
0: I wonder if it's uh, if it's because of location, because yeah. obviously I'm in Southern California. But um, that song was always on our like major big rock wow. radio station. That's funny. Here, Like I heard that song all my life, like that's on our, crazy. on the same station that's, you know, playing the Foo Fighters and stuff like that. Wow. Like right after, that's um, cool. yeah. So that, that song's like definitely been like ingrained in my, in my head, but God, that's so, that's interesting to think of that parallel. Um, <laughs> did you get to see them when you were, no, uh, when you were a kid?
1: No, never got to see them, you know? And, uh, I would still love to, I mean, they still do stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. Cause it's sort of, they're almost like on a bucket list of like, I need to see them at some point and i sort of feel like i feel like i will um them and blast as far as west coast bands uh, like i feel like i I need to see both of them but uh yeah and i don't know and then everything sort of came in a wave like the first record i i I was always broke as a kid but the first record i bought with my own cash was in god we trust incorporated um because the fucking cover just looked killer and i really liked the dead kennedys and uh you know, and, and then like the cover art Winston Smith, that, that's that, the, all that shit has such a big influence on me too, visually, right? The Dead right. Guy record is basically like a nineties a version of Winston Smith, right? Like like all that cut and paste and that sort right. of ironic sort of, you know, um, let them eat jelly beans like that. To me, it was a gateway into so much shit. So it's hard to even I don't know if I have a linear thing, but in my mind, like definitely I call it the minor threat red album because it was red when I bought it. Sure. Yeah. Originally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like that, that was another like epiphany, you know, like, Holy fuck. Like I wrote papers about minor threat lyrics in high school (laughs) and my teachers did not appreciate it. Oh man. This is fucking deep. What are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah. I think because it was like, so not, you know, I was like, he's an author. He wrote lyrics like, you know, um. yeah,
0: come on. <laughs> uh, was uh, was was your interest in art uh, like did that come around that same time or like because obviously, you know, you're a visual artist. You've done a lot of album covers, things like that um, because of that dead Kennedy's record. Did, did, did that inspire you to be like, oh, this is something I want to do with my life
1: no (laughs) um not directly i i always wanted to do something art ish um to my father's chagrin because i was like you know really good at math and shit like that but none of that held my interest so i always knew i wanted to do something art related um and but the dead kennedy's artwork specifically like spoke to me right it was like probably the first street level modern art that like really had an impact on me it didn't but it, it wasn't like oh i want to do this for a living i was just like because i didn't i wasn't I, was, I also wasn't i didn't grow up thinking in terms of career like i just sure i sort of skipped that track yeah i just um i just was like if i do shit it's gonna be more in that lane Well it wasn't even that because it was more of a conscious decision later when because i i was like I did a fanzine in 1980. Me and my stepbrother, my best friend did a fanzine. I didn't do it by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, that was very just cut and paste. It was like whatever you could do, right? We yeah. Let set, press type, took pictures, had graph paper and rubber cement. And so, you know, I wasn't trying to do anything.
0: What was the focus of the fanzine? Did you do like interviews or was it just yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. like,
1: yeah, okay. So it's called Boiling Point. Um, first issue had... I think Gorilla Biscuits side-by-side, American Standard. Um, we did Judge. Were did you like interviewing these Boston. people? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, it, we interviewed Dave Smalley at an all-show, but just to talk about DYS. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> Stuff like that. Yeah. Um, Fugazi, Sick of It All. All that, anything that came through New York. Like, Do you uh, still did, own?
0: Like, do you still have your own copies oh, yeah, yeah. of of these? Oh, that's wonderful. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's cool.
1: Yeah, and if you look at, like, um, photo credits on, like, Anything from Gorilla Biscuits to sick of it all, like all that early stuff, it'll say photos by Boiling Point or photos by Tim and Tom Boiling Point, that kind of thing. That's us. That's me. And it's my best friend. Oh, right? that's so cool. So I got like thousands of photos from CBs and the anthrax and all that shit.
0: Yeah. When did you become interested in photography?
1: Um, my father was one, one of those dads that always had like his Nikon, you know, and always tortured us with slideshows, which now to me are <laughs> amazing, right? Like, yeah. As a kid, like... Uh to stop everything and and, and it's funny because that's what the whole the whole world is a bunch of fucking slideshows now it's totally like, it's instant slideshows yeah I'm like, why would i want to relive like i'm already seeing so many videos of the show we just did and i'm like i don't want to relive the thing i just i'm like it's too much instant nostalgia yeah but, um um one christmas me and my stepbrother dennis who's really like i consider my brother but obviously a stepbrother because mm-hmm. he's chinese-american so if I say brother, then people kind of might think he's adopted or something. But hmm. anyway, so um, me and Dennis and my brother Tom, my older brother Tom, who got me into punk, uh, we all got these cannons for Christmas one year. And they had auto advance. Like they were fucking cool, but they're SLRs, you know, film because we're talking like 1984. Um, and that's what got me interested in photography, like just having this thing. And I took that to the first bunch of shows because, like, you could just hold the button and you'd, you'd take a bunch of pictures. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah. So we, I just, I, I was always sort of artsy, right? So, um, loved taking pictures. Like, even before I did the zine, it was just something I did all the time. And uh,
0: did you did you I have re- access to like a like a photo lab, or were you just dropping the film off at a place and picking up the, initially, picking up the
1: prints? initially we were just dropping film off, but then in, um pretty early on my first year in college which was before i ever did a zine um i took a photo class and ran the dark room and then i bought a used enlarger larger and had my own dark room okay so i was always like we were always printing all this shit up like yeah in wherever my basement or in a laundry room or where, like like the larger is not that big you can as long as you get a room that's black you can <laughs> um me, you can do me it me tell
0: you let me tell you, I I took a photo class in high school, and for the life of me, I I could I can't get the can open. I can't I oh, can't God, get. The-
1: yeah. It's stressful. <laughs>
0: it's so like I, you're putting your teenager. You're you're already nervous about everything. You're getting yeah. th- you're getting thrown into this pitch black room with two or three other people. I just can't. I just couldn't. I just couldn't get it open. I always had to yeah. have someone do it for me. I mean,
1: it's like uh, I'm mean, like so for yeah yeah, it, and it's like we would like. You gotta get that film out of there without exposing it, and it's like without getting fingerprints on it. I just, watched, I just went to a it. killer yeah. show at the Anthrax with like Youth of Today and gorilla Biscuits, and I have all these pictures, and I'm yeah. pretty sure they're amazing. And you gotta like still get home, develop them, put leave them in the fixer, you know, the developer long enough so that they're. Um, it's it was
0: all, always nerve wracking. Yeah, did but, you ever have but, any have any roles go? Get, yeah, yeah i mean there's definitely
1: up. ones like i have great Swiss shots from cbs that the negatives are pretty shitty but yeah so if you work hard you can make nice prints like um but for the most part I mean, we never like lost anything um, okay and i still have all these negatives it's crazy i mean the judge cover is one of ours like the the first judge record i guess the oh wow record. yeah that's a boring point photo
0: oh that's incredible um, and i don't Dude, uh, actually
1: don't th- I don't think it's a picture of Judge, actually. I think it's a picture of Youth of Today because <laughs> it's the John Purcell, the guitar player. Like, yeah. Hitting a chord. And I think I literally think it's a Youth of Today show.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> Did you... What? I'm trying to think of what music magazines, aside from like the high, you know, like a Rolling Stone, could have existed at the time. I was going to ask if any of your photos, mm. if you ever submitted any photos or no. were ever hired by any to do any like major publications.
1: No, because we were basically like, fuck them. Um, sure we were you know spin was the closest thing to recognizing punk at the time because i think the chromex were in it at at one point no i mean before like for me there was like suburban voice maximum rock and roll triple x from boston which is mike gitter zine which is um sort of set the stage i think for the type of zine we were but uh no i mean our whole thing was like we we always let we, to this day, we've let people just use them, like we've made them sort of open source. Okay. Um, we've never been greedy about that shit because uh, we'd rather the world enjoy them than us watermark them and hold on to. You know, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. No, I guess I was most or, most or just curious if like you ever became like a hired photographer no, to I go should've. like capture a show for you know this magazine or that magazine or no, like a newspaper. Where,
1: yeah, I'm a terrible. I'm a terrible capitalist career minded person. So yeah. I watched other people do that and I'm like, huh, I was doing that for years.
0: Like,
1: yeah. I, I can go on that route. Yeah. yeah. You know? um, I mean, it's funny because every show I was at with a camera. So BJ Pappas was there like she, and she's prolific, man. Yeah. Um, so she, she knew to turn it into something for real.
0: Yeah. I'm sure there's also the things like, well, Clearly, they're going to capture the show. I guess I guess they'll just do it. That's, okay, that's yeah. fine. <laughs> yeah. um, what was the first band that you did? Was it No Escape, or did you have a band before that? It was No Escape. It was? Yeah. Yeah. And okay. That, that fell
1: into my lap. Um, I met Steve, the guitar player in Brooklyn. I think he, he was in Turning Point at the time. And I think Tur- Turning Point might have played CBs. I don't know. My, my apartment in Brooklyn is one of those places bands would hang out at sometimes you know and i think like he might have been there when chain of strength was there we're just hanging out and you know i was i was like a full-fledged scenester at that time like roadie i you know i'd get into all the shows i take pictures i knew all these bands and you start daydreaming about um doing your own band and i don't play an instrument so of course i'm like if i ever do a band i'm gonna be the singer right yeah so and then, you know, you, you write lyrics just because, right? It's like your journal or something, right? And I'm like, <clears throat> let me take a crack at this lyric writing thing. And so I had a book full of lyrics. I remember um, hanging out with Steve-O and I, I think I'm going to show it my lyrics. And he's like, oh man, we should we should do something someday. You know, that kind of thing. And, and we're like, it'll be like Youth of Today meets Absolution. <laughs> something like that, right? Like not as rah-rah as Youth of Today. Um, we just loved the sort of complexity of absolution and, well, you know, anyway, and to me, I thought that was such a big range, it's, it's not that big of a range, but, um, <laughs> and then as it would happen, I left when I moved out of New York, became roommates with Steve down in ocean city, New Jersey. I'd like sort of had I didn't want to do another summer in Manhattan. It was just, it sucks in the summer. I, and me and my girlfriend who's now my wife just wanted to get out. Um, and so he came home one day and was like, hey, you want to sing for my band? You know, because the singer before me would be at practice and um, would never sing, would just sort of stand at the mic and just never got okay. You know, got it out, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And so Steve-O came home and he's like, yeah, man, um, here, you know, we got. they already had a couple of songs. And he had lyrics and I had lyrics. And we just sat in his room for like a week and figured some shit out. And so the, my first practice, um, this is one of those pivotal life moments where it's like driving to practice the whole time. I can't think about anything. It's like, rah, like I'm yeah. going to practice. Like this is like put up or shut up kind of stuff. Right. And I'm like, and the last asshole didn't even sing out loud. So I'm like, I can't be that guy. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and that guy went on to sing for bands. So it, it, it all worked out. But uh, so get to practice and and uh, belted it out and it felt good, but you still don't really know how you sound, you know, in a, in your friend's basement, you know.
0: Yeah. What um, did, he, did Was there like an actual PA kind of yeah, a thing? Yeah, oh, was okay. a good setup. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: Cool. Cool. The drummer lived in Delaware and he had a whole, his parents let him uh, have a whole setup there. Sick. And uh, yeah, and then but literally six. I just asked the guys today. Sixteen days later, we recorded "Silenced." Whoa. To, be a, to be on a comp with Gorilla Biscuit's turning point and burn yeah 16 days after our first fucking practice. Wow. I, was like, I had to confirm that because that's fucking insane.
0: You, you know, it's funny. One of the things that I really noticed, especially doing the show is time it, It's just, it moved at such a faster pace. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like everything right now feels so instant gratification, blah, blah, blah. And it feels like now it would be more faster pace, but you look at, I mean, even when I was just Prepping this interview and like kind of going through your discography and stuff, like big changes in your musical <laughs> career happen just year to year to year to year to yeah. year. Whereas like you know we're at an era like I mean, it, my band puts out a new record every three or four years now. You know what I'm saying? Right, right, like right. whereas like then even all these different bands like every, almost every year they put out a record, and also on top of that they're touring six months out of the year. It's like yeah. it, I no, wonder it's nuts
1: when I think about. The time span between the last no escape show and the first kiss goodbye show probably isn't that much time you know and yeah to learn new songs new bandmates new locations like it's crazy and i feel like who i was in kissing goodbye was so different from who i was in no escape yeah because i guess you as a person you changed more rapidly at that age too like it's kind of nuts to think about
0: totally yeah absolutely what i mean just a broad question about that sort of arc there but like what was it that was what was it for you you think that was like driving you to just like continue to go because three bands in the span of like you know seven years it's it's a lot and also you're changing location because you you ended up going to the northwest for because of goodbye yeah um like so you did you just have this need that you needed to be in a band or yes yeah
1: Yeah, that was that was for sure um i got the bug um like with no no escape it's like that was the first band i'll always be beholden to like you know i this is something i tell my kids like you know when they want to like oh i I can't do that because i'm not good at it i'm like that's because you're 16 and you've never fucking done it before like nobody starts at great right like right um but i actually thought no escape like the demo was the best thing we did but anyway um yeah i mean that band ended and with and basically what what happened was i discovered who i was as a as a singer for a hardcore band and why i wanted to do it and The why I wanted to do it was not to rock out, not to be the next Alice in Chains. It was to, goes back to the suicide. It's to be, it's like to write for the kid that's alone in his room, that punches the walls, that needs to know they're not alone and not insane. Or if you are insane, you're not the only one who's insane. Like that's sort of my driving thing, right? Um, You know, and everybody pretends to be so happy and perfect all the time. And now we've got tools to do that. Like, you know. Um, so that's what sort of drove me. And so and with no escape, what I, I got out of my system, like, I'm gonna write the song about religion, I'm gonna write a song about this and a song about this, and I'm proud of those songs, but they were very much like dictated by the hardcore punk vernacular in a way. Really? Sure. Um, like these sort of check the box songs, yeah. Um, and then with Dead Guy, I was like, I don't know, I was probably more influenced by Black Flag later Black Flag and whatever Rollins bands um not to keep just talking about Henry Rollins but stuff of that ilk even Laughing Hyenas or whatever um yeah where or even Fugazi after a while like where you can write about anything um yeah and the scene at the time like everything you know bands are getting signed by majors Yeah, you know, like I love quicksand but um, and the same way I felt about Nirvana too. Like, I love those bands, but I hate what I sort of hated the effect they were having on the scene, right? Like, all of a sudden, everybody's like wanting to be the next quicksand, and, and or what, like, you know, and before that, everybody's trying to be the next youth of today or the next judge Like, everybody's always trying to right. do the next so much copycat shit. So I was sure. Just, and I was like, I grew up, like, the records I described to you and the bands that I first saw, they didn't. They didn't sound like each other right suicidal doesn't sound like minor threat doesn't sound like dead kennedys doesn't sound like
0: sex pistols yeah yeah
1: exactly you know what i mean like so i was like that's just boring so i was like i want to be in a band um that's just you know that captures that irreverence and that sense of you know breaking down new breaking down barriers sonically as well as lyrically right and just exploring um and not knowing if you're cool Right. Like we're like, with the dead guy, we, we, like, we all knew how to write mosh parts if we wanted to, like we knew how to write a 30 second mosh intro if we wanted to, like we, yeah. we weren't interested in that. We, and we, you know, our early practices we were like, we might suck, you know, but there's like, there's a sort of excitement to that.
0: Yeah. You know? um, Who are you musically kind of pulling from? Cause yeah. I mean, that records, I mean, the fixation dead on, well, yeah, like fixation on a coworker. A, it sounds like it could have been recorded this year still. Well, which is Steve, nuts. yeah, uh, Steve Evans mixed my band's last record, so we got to know each other a little bit, cool. and uh, and yeah, I've talked to him a little bit about about Dead Guy, but like, yeah, that record still sounds current, which is wild considering it came out in 1995. Yeah, Insane, it's funny. actually.
1: I, um, I don't even know if I could explain it. I almost wonder if Steve gets more credit for that. You know, like. <laughs>
0: um, but, yeah, it's just, like, it's such an original-sounding band, and I can't even imagine for that time, like, did you... It's kind of a silly question, but, like, did Dead Guy kind of have a hard time fitting in? Oh, for where you're, sure. Like, like who were you playing with on, you know, any given night?
1: Um, you know, we... I think bands slowly started to become a little influenced by us like cable or something like that but we like we played with neurosis a lot for a little while there okay I that, that was a good sense. fit right so yeah. they're like this epic multimedia thing and we're like the stripped down four dorks from New five dorks <laughs> from new jersey thing you know what yeah. i mean but like losing our minds like that's um and i thought that worked well you know like we played i don't know we play a lot with like lifetime and mouthpiece like
0: I, see like that sounds great cra- like that that show yeah. sounds very bizarre to me but makes, yeah, I mean, yeah i sort
1: of liked it being bizarre and totally. we also like uh it, we didn't have we didn't we didn't feel the need to like the other bands sure you know i mean like i wasn't particularly like i'm a pretty picky guy um and i was in new york for the genesis of the whole you know Gorilla Biscuits and Youth of Today and all those bands. So if another if a band sounded like them, I was completely uninterested, even if they're popular or that kind of thing. So um, but we definitely, you know, it was like um in the beginning, especially, there was a lot of like, you know, people i was known as tim boiling point or tim from no escape and i think i almost had like a straight edge reputation even though i never made any kind of declarations about that stuff but i came from like the youth crew scene a little bit and yeah um, i had that sort of cred or allure i guess um but dead guy was so not like that you know what i mean like we were more ripping off am rep bands and you know we were listening to like craw and dazzling and Killman and stuff that or today's the day and I feel like we introduced today's the day to the hardcore scene. That that kind, yeah. That makes um, sense. But, but uh, you know, we got a lot of people standing there, like the head nods, the arms crossed. Um, they seemed engaged, you know, and then they bought the shit out of our shirts. So I was like, <laughs> I guess they like us. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. But
1: we don't. We didn't give them those real obvious. Like mosh parts, you know? Yeah, no,
0: that's, and that's one of the things that I've always found so interesting. It's like, there's, it's what I like when you can hear a band and be like, I know this band knows that they're capable and they, they're, they're, uh, they're dangling the mosh part right in front of you, but they're not going (laughs) to give it to you. They're not, they're going to make you work for the part. That yeah, yeah. And, and that's right. one of, and
1: By the time you get started, and you think you're going to do your lawnmower move, like we've moved on,
0: you've moved yeah. on to a fa- or like yeah, it <laughs> right. changes it changes and, the rhythm completely. And or, we probably
1: just bummed you out, and that makes it, me happy, right? Yeah, I hated those guys taking over shit anyway. So,
0: <laughs> so I'm actually curious where where the connection with uh, victory landed. Like you know, it's all of a sudden signed to a label out of Chicago, right? that yeah was,
1: that was that was all dave um the drummer and i asked him about that the other day actually and he's like he's like yeah i don't know he's like they had the money like sure. it was that it was that simple like yeah we were on engine records and i think they were having like trouble like sort of keeping up with what we
0: were trying to do because that's um, who that's who put out the seven inch the work with yeah. seven inch yeah, and exactly. i, I I looked at their uh discography today and my eyebrow raised because i was like some real like, the fact that it seemed they put out a guided by voices ep <laughs> right, or something right. i was like how yeah. the fuck did how does that fit in here it was very right, strange right. yeah
1: no bill wilson's great i still i still talk to him once in a while um yeah he just likes shit and likes to. And, i love you know, that He's like a new york you know he like loves a lot of cool stuff and yeah he was a he was a big fan like you know he he really dug us. Um, and it sort of hurt to not put it out with him, but sometimes that shit happens. Yeah. Um, I mean,
0: I, I also I, I assume just at that time, too, victory was probably trying to swoop up everything on the East Coast. Cause I mean, you had Snapcase, you had. Right, right, right. All, like. Was bloodlet was probably already banned. It was probably they already were a gym. band at
1: the time. I don't know yeah. if they were on Victory at the time, but it was about the same time. Yeah, yeah. And if, you know, to be honest, I knew nothing about Victory. I wanted us to be on Revelation because yeah. that's the only thing I really knew. Sure. And I even reached out to Jordan, and he, I, I think he just didn't understand it. You know, <laughs> <It's>
0: 1995, <laughs> like, and listen to what like, your band sounded like. Sort
1: of like, uh, I think like him. N- neither him nor any of his. Cohorts at Rev understood it, so did, they're like pass. You know, you and feel, uh, Jordan's a friend. I love Jordan. You know, sure. it's like I'm not dissing him at all.
0: And he ended up putting out the "Kiss Goodbye" stuff. So. I think
1: that's because he didn't put out the. Dead yeah, blood. yeah. He's like, oh, let me try again.
0: Do you feel? Do you have any memories of like? Again, this might be a question for your drummer, but like, do you have any memories of of Victory getting it? You know what I'm saying? Like, did they understand what the band was trying to do?
1: Um. It didn't strike me that they, I mean, they, I think they thought we could be big because they, I don't know, I didn't have a whole lot of conversations with Tony. Like, I met him once when we were coming back from tour, and you just got the sense that they would, they turn on the machine, and Mm
0: -hmm.
1: like, if you're on the label, they, they back it. Um, okay i didn't get the sense that they thought we were um like the shit you know what i mean like uh i think they thought like this is a good record um but i don't think any of us um i think we liked the record but you know we're very subjective right so i don't think any of us were like had the even though we had big egos i don't think we were like this is going to take over the world and sure. Genre. No. Yeah. I, under,
0: I, I understand. I understand that because the guess... crowds
1: were like always still up and down, up and down.
0: Right. Um, right. Who were you touring with at that time? Did Like did dead guy tour much like the no, U S or tour did... much.
1: We were like weekend warriors up and yeah. down the East coast a lot. Um, did
0: you end up, did you do shows on the West coast?
1: We did. I couldn't even tell you who we played with though. Like maybe yeah. I wonder if we played with botch. I don't even know if they're in a band yet. I would literally have to like, look at the fires. It's it's so long ago and I'm already bad about that stuff. Um, but yeah, we didn't really have, like, I think we played with today's the day a lot. We played with the bands that I really liked playing with a lot were today's the day and neurosis. Okay. Um, those are the ones that sort of, and this band cable from Connecticut were really good. Okay. Um, but you know, we played with cause for alarm once, like things are so random back then. Um, Yeah. The funny thing is I remember thinking cause for alarm, man, they're old. (laughs) (laughs)
0: you know <laughs> <laughs> oh that's awesome and they're
1: probably like 29 yeah just like three years older than years yeah
0: um damn so uh this could this is gonna cause me to backtrack a little bit uh just because i want to make sure i checked all my boxes um was your first time uh your first time recording obviously would have been that demo for no escape uh um, no
1: it was the single
0: song the oh silence. for the comp, for the yeah. comp. So were because uh, Steve from No Escape, I know he, I saw that he recorded uh, the Overkill, or sorry, the the Just Accepted it record that came out on Overkill. Um, yeah. Did he record yeah. all the No Escape stuff?
1: Steve, um, uh, Steve-O, the guitar
0: player from No Escape? Uh, Crudello? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, Steve, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. He's, he is, he's the, he's the Walter Schreifels of No Escape. No, not, because like a lot of the lyrics are his, or we co-wrote. Um, and he wrote every, I think he wrote every song. Like so, he is. He is.
0: It was his vision for everything. Yeah, yeah. So
1: was and that was him like hating Turning Point for kicking him out? And oh, okay. Yeah. You know, um, and so he's like, I'm uh, gonna do something like heavier.
0: And, was he in Turning Point when that Split Seven Inch came out, or was like was no. that like a was that like a divisive Split Seven Inch? No, 7-inch I then? think
1: he'd sort of. No, it wasn't a divisive one. Yeah. I think he's still friends with some of those guys. He he's very he's he's a raw nerve so he just feels things like him getting kicked out of the band just you know 35 years later i think still bugs him you know he's just that (laughs) kind of guy he's just very he's so emo it's sort of like it's sort of what's lovely about him um yeah um so no i mean the guy yeah some even though as, as much as he like hates turning point they were still sort of in our bands social circle. Totally. You know? um, yeah. No, I understand. You know I mean? that. Like then we're talking about guys who are like late teens, early 20s, we're all fucking stupid. You know, what yeah, I mean? full like, of emotions. Like, and yeah.
0: yeah. Um <laughs> well what I was what I was getting towards is like, do you remember I guess your what it was like for the first time recording? Like right. do you, do you have many memories of that? Oh and, for sure. And yeah, like how because that's like such a new experience for people, especially you know, someone who's yelling it's your first band. Now you're in a studio and you, and also you mentioned, you don't really know how you sound because you're kind of hearing yourself through this, probably PA that's maybe not loud enough or something. Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm happy if it's not loud enough at first, you know what I mean? I'm just trying to, (laughs) and I'm like, you know, I didn't even know how to breathe and sing and all that kind of stuff. And I mean, it's crazy that, you know, probably less than three weeks after, about three weeks after Steve came in, Came home and said, Do "You want to be in this band?" We recorded that first song, which was like, "Yeah, I, I barely, you know, I don't, I barely remember the recording of that versus, um, us all high fiving each other when we got, we went to some somebody's apartment and put it in, 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 in put like it in cassette deck, deck, yeah, you know what I mean, and like we're like, oh fuck, and like nobody knew what I sounded like, including myself, and I belted out the first verse or whatever and you know you're in that vocal fishbowl yeah you can see everybody else on the other side they're all goofing around you know and when you're young that's a very self-conscious awkward oh. feeling so
0: this, now I, it's still i mean it can still be sometimes yeah
1: yeah i've learned to get over it in a big way um yeah but uh but it's still it's still not natural but you know you see all your there and they're all done like they've recorded and they're relaxed and you're like fucking amped and and uh I belted out the first thing and I can, all of a sudden I see all of them sort of stop and they're like high fiving each other because I sound good. Yeah. Like they they didn't really know. Right. Myself included. And they're like, yeah,
0: like he can fucking, (laughs) he can scream. Yeah. For all, you know, they've had a conversation (laughs) being like, today might end really awkward. uh, What do we do if Tim sucks? Like, (laughs) yeah, we have to kick him out this is going to be tough.
1: um, And then, but then the demo was our first real recording experience uh, where it was like, Somebody's basement. It was like an eight-track, you know. Um, and Steve was the kind of guy that likes to do eight guitar tracks. So it was one of those, learning how to mix shit down. And I had, I think I had one vocal track, right? Yeah. So it was like, and so inexperienced. So and like some of the songs were fast, you know. So it's like there's that one song, "Guilty," where it's like, no one is innocent, no one is free, when I and it's like, I had to punch in every other line. <laughs> Yeah. Which I fucking hate punching in. Like I don't do it anymore. Like unless yeah. I unless I garbled something horribly, I think punching in is the worst. Yeah. Um, but like every other line. And I remember like, and there's like one thing I couldn't even figure out. And the guy recording us was finally was like, do it this way. You know, I remember like going, Oh, look at that. Like, I don't have to like I was very percussive, right? In terms right. of like how I sang the song with da-da-da-da-da. Uh, I didn't yeah. learn how to like step back and then land back on the song like these are all things you learn later with some right with some wisdom and some experience and being less anxious and nervous about the whole process do you know what i mean yeah um,
0: as so, time as time went on do you did you find yourself do you did you find yourself loving recording or were you a bigger fan of performing live
1: um i would say practice was my first love hmm live was my second love and recording was my third love if i had to um i mean i love recording even just for the fact that it becomes a thing like fixation is a thing yeah that outlives me like outlives what we did even right And and there's something magical about that like i'm not a spiritual metaphysical guy but um i think this way about music and books and stuff um like, the fact that I can read Mark Twain and be inside Mark Twain's head is, like, something fucking amazing about that, right? Like yeah. I can get inside the thoughts of someone long gone, right? And that's what's magical about recording. So, to me, it's, like, a necessary evil in a way. Um, and it's fun. Like, it's fun. Like, when, when I'm done with my part, it's fun. But it's, like, it's like going to the worst CrossFit class ever or something. Right. You know?
0: <laughs> it's, like, yeah.
1: I know this is good for me in a way, but it's going to hurt.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and how does your voice hold up? I mean, you, you know, before we did this interview, you mentioned you just had, you've, you've just performed a bit. So you're, you're still recovering a little bit. Do you, um, are you able to like go pretty long in the studio or do you have to like do a couple song or a song or two take a few days, come back? Yeah.
1: Um, I can't do like, you know, the album we have coming out, it's like 10 songs. I can't do that in a day. Um, yeah, I can do like four. And that's because I've also gotten to a place, um, where i'll have lyrical cliff notes framework for something I, I imagine you might be similar where and then i go in and i do like six takes and then we we pick the runs we like, like sure. it's not it's not a punching in thing because there's a lot of that i love a lot of that oh my voice is tired here so it's more desperate yes all that stuff happens naturally um and like shit comes out of me that i didn't write down ever right because mm-hmm. i'm thinking about whatever i'm thinking about Um, and I'll do that like, until I feel like, okay, I got that one down. Cause I sort of don't like returning to the song either.
0: Has that always been a thing for you? Like, is that how you've approached stuff for not always, but like maybe when did you start that approach of kind of having like a cliff note sort of thing and then sort of doing like a, is it almost like stream of conscious in the vocal booth?
1: It is. It is a little bit. Yeah. That's Um, interesting. It's it's an evolution. Um, it happened, at the end of Kiss It Goodbye, so Kiss Goodbye, we practiced several days a week. Um, we, we just decided we were going to be this hardworking band. So when I recorded that album, like, I just knew those songs. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of riffing unless it was a song like Hartley that just has this part and I can just go off in a rounds kind of way. Um, but then at the end of Kiss of Goodbye, we were sort of semi-disbanded so like i was like the songs were done and i had ideas for the songs but they weren't as concrete as they were in the past and matt bayless who recorded us out at that studio litho which is owned by pearl jam what you know out in seattle um he i just did a couple of takes and he pieced it together right um, okay. like that song choke which is one yeah. of my favorite kissing about songs. Matt,
0: Matt Bayliss just did the the final 7 inch, right?
1: Yeah. 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 And so that I was sort of light one on there and I was like, oh, that was kind of cool cuz like I came up with shit that I, um in just a whole new way. It is a little it was sort of free. And then, but then that was the end of me doing music for like fifteen years. It's kind of
0: (laughs) right, right, right when you figured it out, right when you solve the mystery, is when you're like, you know what? Okay, I think I did it. I'm done.
1: (laughs) Yeah, check. I'm out. I figured out one time how to record in an interesting way. Yeah, Um, the other thing is like from No Escape through Kiss. Like over the years, people who sing like me or vocalize like me, whatever you want to call it, were more understood. Like in the beginning. Like I would, some places I'd be like bumming these guys out, you know. Like they they they're listening to this music being recorded, and it sounds like heavy whatever, but it's not like assaulting them. Right. And then I get in there, and they're like, "What the fuck are you doing to my precious mic?" <laughs> you know, all that shit. And they're just like, "Yeah." You can just tell they're. Not, and it's hard to have a lot of energy to do cool shit when the engineers you know we're bragging about recording steely dan once or something you know what i mean like right like there's a lot of that disconnect back then
0: right um, that's why that's...
1: steve Evans was like you know he gets it right so that that makes such a difference
0: um when you did that record with steve Evans, did he have like was he in like a legitimate studio because that was still probably pretty early for for steve right
1: yeah it was it seemed legit like um yeah. i forget what the name of the st- tracks east Yeah, was yeah um was right in New Brunswick. It was like, it was so close to us, which was awesome. And like, like when he f- recorded fixation, it was like, Hey, check this out. And he put a floppy disk into his console <laughs> and it would remember the moves he made. while. Oh, playing, right. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And like he'd play it back and you'd watch the dot, di- like all the levers move. You're like, Holy fuck. That's amazing. Yeah. You know, coming from like recording on four track and eight track to that. That's, like, that's
0: what I was going to bring up. Yeah. It's like, you know, going from, <laughs> from, you know, borderline diy style recording and then you go into track east uh did you do you remember feeling any sort of like extra pressure in that circumstance kind of like uh okay now we're really we have to like show up and do, and do good work here or was it still no
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> i think we were we were pretty arrogant probably like, yeah i think we liked our shit um i was definitely sort of i was very comfortable with where i was in dead guy at that point um and all the songs we recorded, I knew inside out. You know, like so it was just a matter of, and it, I don't know. The recording with Steve was so comfortable. Like it was just like it was just fun. Cool. Like because he would mix them down, put them on a cassette, and be like, go listen to it in the van. You know that kind of shit. Yeah. <laughs> and like listening to it in the van was like fucking thrilling. Yeah. Like, so real. Like holy fuck. Yeah. Like and it sounded great.
0: Because it always <laughs> sounds
1: great in the studio, but you know.
0: To this day, that's still maybe my favorite part of recording is when you start getting the mixes and you can put them on in your car and yeah. drive around and listen to it and be like, Oh, because everything sounds perfect when you're in the studio. Yeah, exactly. But it's but it's when you listen to it in on in yeah. like, car car is the number one. People a lot yep. of people love the headphones. Like, not everyone's listening to this. In, people mostly gonna listen to this in their car. Like that's yeah, the and it's
1: funny, that, that's how I like with the uh, I mean so with bitter branches, I've I've, I've taken this songwriting approach to the extreme of I don't know the song lyrically until we record it. And I'm like, okay, so that's how I'm going to sing it from now on. For the most part, I'll still, I leave myself room to ad lib because I like to. And I yeah. feel like um, I'm more engaged and I think I, I actually engage the audience more when I sort of riff over the music a little bit. but It becomes
0: um, more sort of like a performance art in a way yeah
1: yeah and th- i like doing that um but like I, the way i practice i play the shit in my car right i turn it up and like i just listen to, so it becomes muscle memory you know
0: um, um this last final uh checklist one for me is uh what was the you mentioned you were kind of like you know a fixture in in the new york sort of like hardcore scene and everything like that had you toured with other bands just like riding along or was your first tour with one of your bands
1: my first actual tour was <clears throat> with uh with no escape. It was the World's Collide um railhead tour. I had gone up and down, I'd roadied for like gorilla biscuits and stuff like that, just up and down the East Coast a little bit. Um and I remember like when they had to pick up Brody for a tour. I was never that much of a groupie. Like it's just there's New York had some serious fucking groupies, mm-hmm. guys who would um, it's one of the reasons I had to get out of there. Like people would come in. It was such a weird popular thing after a while. And
0: uh, it uh, still kind of is a pop. People I mean, had to have the
1: right haircut and the right yeah. jacket. And I was like, this is so not punk. I, right. you know, and, and I'm opinionated and that wasn't always appreciated, you know? Um, and so, you know, they would take people, I don't want to disparage any bands, but like, I wasn't their best friend or anything. Like sure. I made their t-shirts like, I made all the original, original shirts for Gorilla Biscuits and bands like that. Um, but I wasn't, like, cozying up to them trying to be there. Trying to, yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't trying to crawl up their ass. So, yeah,
0: you weren't a suck-up. were and just you're a suck-up,
1: yeah. you get invited to be a roadie. I Got think it. That's, I think that more or less happens.
0: <laughs> did, uh, so your first, So then the first real tour was with No Escape. Did you, did yeah. you remember um, enjoying it? Like, did you, did you like touring? Or was that something that wasn't your favorite?
1: No, I, I, I loved it. Um, it was, uh, I remember like showing up, was, like we had, we had one van for three vans plus a station wagon. Like it was crazy how many people we crammed into this cargo van. Oh my God. Um, I remember Hillel from uh world's Collide wanted to bring his weights. <laughs> and people were like, dude, you can't bring your fucking weights. Like, so, like none of us had a clue, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> so how many people,
0: so you're talking like, was it, so it was two bands crammed into one van no um, escape was
1: a four piece i think yeah. worlds collide was like a five nine there's like 13 dudes and two vehicles right like it was yeah nuts. yeah um but it was awesome like because yeah. like we were just the thing is like we were we were well received everywhere like yeah. it was pretty it was pretty i mean that's when i met bloodlet was down in florida like they gave me their demo yeah um i don't know it was a great time and i think yeah. we were doing something just different enough so was worlds collide um railhead was more of like an emo thing with like the singer of that went on to start jaytree records um, yeah darren um yeah so i don't know it was a great tour great f- we all got along
0: did it good. so it went all the way down to florida
1: down to florida across all the way to california like this oh big, wow yeah tim owen um tim owen booked that tour wow who, who also from jaytree um yeah do you like, remember at
0: all where you where you played in california
1: I think we played San Diego. We played like um, like a garage kind of neighborhood show thing. I think with Born Against might have been there. Yeah. Um, we played a dressing room of a club. <laughs> like we played like the upper dressing room area of some club. In like yeah. Up Northern California, maybe. We didn't play Gilman because I would have I remembered that. Yeah. Um, that's all I remember. Sure. That's uh, awesome. We, played, Dude, we went- played the OK Hotel in Seattle which was fucking amazing. Wow. Because our roadie um, used to put on shows in Philly. And so he knew the dudes from Green River, which became Pearl Jam. Yeah. And Soundgarden and Tad. So he called Tad when we were getting close to Seattle. And Tad's like, where are you guys playing? And we were playing. Who knows where we were playing? But he's like, I want to get you a show at the OK Hotel. So Tad got us a fucking show at the OK Hotel, which is like incredible because it's the if you ever seen the movie Singles, that's where all the bands are yeah. playing. Yeah, and um, the backstage there, all all those, and we were like, we were like loving all those bands back. This is like ninety one, so yeah, the single soundtrack was on heavy rotation. Yeah, and we were all Alice, it's and cool James, you, Pearl Jam fan, you know all that. Stuff.
0: It's cool that you guys were into that stuff. I could I could see there either being one or the other. Either you guys are like fuck that stuff, or you were you're into it. That's well, cool, what happened
1: right? was I liked that until they wanted me to start trying to sing like lane staley Oh,
0: okay yeah that's not gonna go well that
1: was the beginning of the end yeah yeah (laughs) so eventually it did sort of like because steve was like dude man i can't have you screaming anymore you know and he knows this he's owned up to this yeah um
0: what's wild is so then you have to (laughs) you need to speak on this then because um i had read that the choke songs were supposed to be on a sub pop oh for sure yeah so yeah. like, that's kind of a full circle situation for you then there, you know, because no, that's that's a very painful question. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's like, they, so, and then they I entered-
1: literally have the contracts still. Right. Wow. Um, and yeah. So the one dude from sub pop, I, I always get the two guys confused who started it, but one of the guys, the guy yeah. didn't have the big beard mm-hmm. came to all our shows in Seattle, all the Kiss Goodbye shows. And he'd be like, "What do I have to do to get you guys on Sub Pop?" And I'm like, "Diet, like fuck." I was like, "We were on Revelation. so we couldn't," um, and we didn't really have any a ton of new material either. So we decided we we got the okay from Rev to do a single of a month because Sub yeah. Pop was reviving that. Yeah. Um, but then Keith quit, moved back to back east. He sold all his equipment to Damien, <clears throat> um, who took over guitar playing and songwriting duties and so damien wrote choke um and we recorded it and then but then we broke up because we just we just sort of ran out of steam and yeah uh, and sub pop apparently had a policy of not putting out records of bands that have disbanded (laughs) sure Uh, we should have fucking lied you know (laughs) Yeah, Um, yeah yeah because literally i was like check check bucket list like um label mates with nirvana sound yeah. line, mud honey screaming trees like i fucking love like i know i don't sing like those people but i fucking love that shit right yeah like, i mean i love that shit i love that whole shellac jesus lizard world there's a couple of like pockets of music that i just fucking did,
0: yeah because like didn't they even do like it didn't like un- didn't unsane have like a singles club they, might have, yeah. they might have yeah i, I think it's, so yeah they did yeah. everybody
1: fugazi yeah. did one it's like it's the only thing fugazi did it's not discord right if you think right one, it's kind of monumental you
0: know? yeah it's got a really cool i i have that seven inch. It's, yeah, it's got like, like a, yeah exactly
1: yeah, it's, it's like, like they, <sighs> yeah oh no fuck man i yeah i mean the bitter branches seven inch oh look it looks like it, that it, yeah it's a guys... fucking sub pop seven inch because right. i'm having
0: revenge that's my own <laughs> personal
1: <laughs> like it is down to the
0: yeah pika, you know like yeah. it is <laughs> oh, it's so it's so funny um i didn't even put that together uh so I've, so we could we can start getting near the end here but what's what i find so interesting which i'm curious of which is probably a very straight a very easy answer but yeah you took a lot of years off about 15 years and then process black starts and you yeah, and yeah. in 2015 did you just get like a bug or you were like i gotta start doing bands again because then now it feels like you've been extremely prolific where right, it, right. It seemingly you have four bands right now between <laughs> yeah, better brands. Yeah. Between is process black still a band or not really.
1: No. Okay. So, so, um, so there's the revelation records 25th anniversary show and the bass player reached out to me and he's like, let's play that show. Right. Even though kissing goodbye was always a square peg in a round hole on revelation. like Yeah. Um,
0: I mean, Rev went through a lot of different phases of of yeah of, of bands, like the
1: ice burn stuff, and yeah, and then they and went it, back to like their bread and butter.
0: Yeah, so, in like the early two thousands, they were putting out a lot of like sass rock, and right. you know what I'm saying? It's like yeah, right. they've gone through waves. Now they're you know now they're putting hardcore out again, but right, yeah. right.
1: Um, so we 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 played a couple of shows as "Kissing Goodbye," even though Keith. And Andrew didn't do it, so I had semi-regrets about that, even though we had their blessing. Um, but what happened there was I ran into Aaron Edge, um, who I knew through the scene back in Seattle days, and we're both watching into another. And he's he's like, "Hey, can I send you some music, you know, uh, to do vocals on?" And I'm like, "Sure." Like people always say this stuff to me, and it doesn't always materialize, but I'm yeah. always like, "Sure." Um, and I think I knew of a studio because I had done guest vocals for like Ken Mode or something, so I, I sort of had a studio hookup. Right. Um, so Aaron sent me these Process Black songs, and they are fucking great. But he flattened them, right? So if you understand how music is recorded with Pro Tools or whatever, he no longer had the individual guitar tracks, bass, drums yeah. is all flattened. He couldn't find. It's
0: like a Photoshop file where all yeah. of a sudden now, you... now it's a yeah. JPEG. Right? Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. So I can't, I can't fuck with like, hey, can you stretch this part out? None of that. All these right. songs are baked. Um, and so I went to the studio trying to do vocals over these songs, and it was taking me forever. And I kept going, "You should just do do it with someone else." And he's like, "No, I'll wait." You and he sort of egged me on, um, and because there's like ten songs, and I only got three done in like two and a half years because I just because <laughs> the process of of having a band's of being in the room, of helping arrange, yeah. I, um, without that, I didn't really know what to do. Plus, my voice yeah. wasn't broken in, so I'd go into the studio and try to record these vocals every couple of weeks. It was just really difficult. So that that did not give me the bug. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but then, like, but then I became friends with, on Instagram with like Andy Complains. That's his hint handle. Oh, every time I die. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah.
0: And then you sang on their record. Yeah,
1: and turns out, you know, they they love that Guy, and he's like, "Hey, man, it'd be cool." If the, and so they're sending me shit, and then um, and my wife did say when I, even though the kiss goodbye thing, I had some, I was ambivalent about. My wife was like, "You are a much, You're much more complete version of yourself when you're doing music." So that's in my head, right? And my kids are all my my kids are now they're like 20 and 17 right so it's like they're at an age too where i don't need to be it's not like oh my god if i step out of the house yeah she has to like rank. you can check out stuff. now yeah you're yeah. good <laughs> yeah and they're into it they think it's you know that it's pretty interesting when your dad makes music you know yeah. and like and people react to it and care like it's um so i don't know um it, a lot of the stuff sort of happens to me too i feel like the stars align because what happened was the jeff tirabasi from bitter branches so you know process black came out and it does seem like i'm very prolific because all of a sudden everything every time i die thing happens
0: yeah it it all kind of seems to and it starts to snowball
1: yeah and that's why i was like and then no escape was asked to play a show and i told those guys i was like if we get in a room we're writing music because that's what i like i told you my favorite thing is practice yeah and i didn't i had no um ambition for it it was just like if we're going to get in a room, I don't want to be a karaoke band. Like let's also spend half the time. Like how long does it take us to remember how to play? this it takes you five seconds to remember how to play the old songs. Cause yeah, it's like muscle memory. Um, So no escape ended up like writing six songs over a couple year period that we recorded, I thought for shits and giggles. Um, but Steve was very attached to it and like, yeah. spent all this time on it, which is awesome. Um,
0: And that came out this year, right? It was yeah, like selective yeah, punches. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah um but then no escape was never we never were really in a regiment and then we sort of like drifted away and then and then i bitter branches landed on my lap and we took that seriously like we i really liked where they were going musically before i even got there much more angular and open like to me i'm like this is different from anything i've done before um and i think it can it can land in that place that i've always wanted to be in that Laughing Hyenas, Shellac, Fugazi. And what does that sound like with someone as fucking manic as myself? Like I've always been, you know? um, And so that's what that is. And so now, now and then COVID made us really prolific because we were like, we got nothing to do but practice. And I'm like, hey, I fucking love practice. You know, so we've written 16 songs before we ever played a show, you know, which is the inverse of any band I've ever been in.
0: There's something really great about about really setting up every getting all the pieces together before you really play a show you know yeah. like I, i've often given advice to people to young people who are like you know i'm starting to band like what advice would you give i'm like write a lot of songs like write at least like eight songs and go record those songs before wow. you play a show because cool. yeah it's like you also, it's it's great to have music to give to people at your first show.
1: That's true, yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? We always had demos, yeah. Yeah. We, we always recorded a demo like right away.
0: Yeah. If I say that and I say, don't don't overplay your hometown. No one wants to, your, <laughs> you, your friends are only going to come see you every other week for so right. long, yeah. you know? Only no, play really I, when it's worth it.
1: It's funny because it's like, um, yeah, I have sort of a phrase I've been using, like, like this weekend, it was good to play to strangers again. You know, yeah just like what does this do to someone who's never you know heard us has yeah. no idea what's coming like i love like when we, we played in rhode island this weekend and the first three bands were like local bands and it was an outdoor show at an organic farm the guy who does atomic brick re- atomic action Records. yeah as brian simmons um so there's like literally i felt like i was at like I was like, there's like the grownups, you know, and then there was like these kids who are half my age or yeah. less than half my age. Um, but I'm like, all right, this is kind of cool. Like, what's gonna happen when we play? Like, are they all gonna leave and we're gonna to play to like, the, you know, the ten guys? God, isn't
0: it? I bet that's a feeling you didn't miss.
1: <laughs> like, <laughs> no, but oh man, but I, people gonna leave. I, but I have the tools. Yeah. Right? I mean, the, the weird thing is, we headlined both shows, and I'm like, let's not headline any more shows. Yeah, 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 That was just silly. Um, but no, we like, they all came up, and I could tell they were like entranced. Like, yeah. Like, they were like, not to seem to get t- but like, the, the, the first three bands were like cool, cool young bands, a little loose, still like probably gonna find their set. If they stay together, they'll find, you know, they'll lock in their thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, and i love seeing that you know and then uh and then in the band before us definitely they're more our age they they're, they're locked in and then i felt like we uh, it, it, i had no idea what we were gonna be like live and like we were like pretty intense i think you know and i think it was unexpected because yeah. everybody else was like having fun for a while <laughs> yeah like, i'm having fun but in a kind of like fuck you tortured kind of way i don't yeah I don't know how to explain it um and like uh, yeah like people stayed and they like clapped a lot like that's <laughs> between awesome. songs. so it was, it was kind of cool
0: so uh, how much prep has dead guy gone through now with you have now that you have shows announced and i'm by the way i'm so excited that you guys are playing california like uh, when i saw yeah, that get announced amazing. i was through the roof because I. Uh, as I told you, white when that got announced when we were talking over Instagram, where I was like, oh, right, right. we're playing a festival that same fucking weekend. God <laughs> damn it. I was like, and I was like genuinely looking at flights being like, could I actually pull off?
1: That's amazing.
0: Flying would, and then making it back in yeah. <laughs> making it back in time for me to play. <laughs> and have my band not kill me. So right, right, right. Yeah, but uh, but yeah. So when you announced the California show, so thrilled. But like, yeah, how much prep have you guys been practicing? Or yeah, um,
1: we had our first like all day practice last week, um, and we would have done it sooner except the drummer Dave was stuck in Amsterdam this whole time.
0: Oh my god, yeah. trying
1: to move back to New York, and he finally like. Like we practiced like three days after we moved back.
0: Um, where are you think, in Pennsylvania? Where are you yeah, at? I'm in Philly. Okay, you're in I'm Philly. In Philadelphia. Yeah.
1: Um, and we practice in Red Bank, New Jersey. Dave lives in New York. Keith lives in upstate New York. Crispy still lives, um, right near Rutgers, where the dead guy was. And then we have Jim Baglino. I think that's how you say his name from Human Remains. Mm-hmm. Is uh playing bass because Tim Nauman. The, the original bass player uh, has a new kidney that he has to focus on. Sure. that's <laughs> kind of a big deal. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So we had our first practice and Keith was nervous. Like, fuck man. Like we got to practice. Like I'm getting a little nervous and I'm not nervous. Cause I, I know, I I know these songs inside out and I've been yeah. singing so much that I'm like, I have no problem. Yeah. And uh, I got there and just, plug my mic in and we belted out a couple of songs and and by the second or third time through um they're sounding really good even though they're still trying to be like is that in, like there's you know they do what like guitar players fingers. do that yeah, they, yeah, they yeah. walk up to each other and do shit forever yeah. and um yeah so I we practice all but like two we even practice some stuff off of work ethic. Um we practice everything but like two songs that we're gonna practice again. But, so we'll probably have three or four if not more practices before the show and we'll be yeah i think we'll be more than ready is there Um, any talk i'm not ready for what the reaction is going to be that's going to be fucking crazy i can't wait i
0: can't wait (laughs) is there uh uh if you're willing to talk about is there any discussion about writing with that band uh
1: there is between me and dave for sure okay Um,
0: yeah i mean i'm
1: i'm one of those guys i'm open to anything i'm like that i i'm like yeah, I, I learned to be that way. I used to be much more like, I don't know, a stickler or I hated mm-hmm. bands that did shit later, but I think we proved no escape that you if you come at it from a you know, and now it's like there's a new quicksand album and there's yeah. a new, you know, et cetera. Like it's it, it's possible
0: for reunion records to be good. It's a it's tough. It's a challenge, yeah. but I think you have to have the
1: right agenda, right? Yes. Which is no agenda in a way. Like, yes. or, you know. Um, not try to be your old self, like
0: I'm, also, I'm, I feel like being aware of the music you're making because I, I always love to hear when there's when there's a band that tries to get back together and they're listening to what they're making and they hear it back and they're like, <laughs> maybe we don't got it still. Right, you right, know? right. but then there's the wonderful times like a quicksand where you hear it back and you're like, Okay, we yeah. are we are actually still a band. Because yeah, also cool. they've you know they've been playing for so long, and now with you being so active these last five six years it's like yeah I was actually gonna I wanted to ask for uh was was this bitter branch of show your first sh- like show show in a long time or cause
1: yeah probably in like five years like yeah. No Escape played a couple of shows
0: okay um, Cause I, obviously, COVID, I stage. Yeah, yeah. obviously COVID made things weird, but it's like, I, I, I wondered if when you first raised your voice again, if you were like, it's still there or was, if there was any word from that or like worried that it wasn't going to be as um, strong as it was.
1: No, you know, it's funny. Like there was when I was doing process black and all these other studio sort of guest
0: spots or like, yeah, like the Every um, Time I Die record, things yeah, like that, like yeah.
1: Th- if you isolate those vocals, those are my strongest vocals. I think okay. it sounds like me. Um, but if I went and did that today, it'd be a thousand times better. Sure. So, yeah, wh- what did I, th- it really wasn't until, it's probably when Bitter Branches started, because we practice once a week pretty religiously. Yeah. Um, which keeps me broken in, uh, if that makes sense. Yeah,
0: totally. And
1: so that's when, after a couple of weeks, oh, wait, well, I wake up and I still have my voice. Yeah. Like, you know. It's a good feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you, I'm sure you can relate. But, yeah. Uh, um, I don't do anything special. It's, it's like, for me, it's like exercising. Like, if I stop doing yoga for a month, it's like, fuck, now I'm all, all these moves are hard again. And then if, the more I do it, the better I get. That's how it is with my vocals. The more I do it, the better I get.
0: The first... Yeah week of tour i can yell but my voice is like pretty bad for having a conversation but like right, i'm right, able right. i'm able to still yell yeah, yeah but but by week two i'm like feeling you're good zone. you know yeah, yeah, yeah exactly it's like it's like you almost like build like a callus or something like that in your, in your
1: yeah family. or your body knows like you're gonna be doing this to yourself and yeah adjusts or something yeah and i think like only people like you and i can sort of relate to that because most people don't make yeah. the noises I make with their throat.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's wildly unnatural. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. um, and it's funny too. Like I, you know, I've had, I've been on tours where, you know, the, maybe the band that we're opening for pulls, the singer pulls me aside and, you know, tries to give me some sort of pointers to be like, you should oh, do gosh. some warm ups and stuff. And I'm like, it's just, no, it's just, I, I so we recorded you a record. You. Yeah. yeah. We recorded a record, a couple of records with this guy, Brad Wood. Um, He did like, so for, he did the first two Sunday day real estate records. Okay. And he told me a great story where, um, because he did diary and they were super young at the time, Jeremy Enoch, they show up to, you know, start tracking or, or or they get to the time to do vocals. And all of a sudden Jeremy Enoch cannot sing, just can't do it. And Brad's like, what changed? What's going on? Like what, what, Is there, did you do anything different? And he goes, well, I wanted to make sure I was at my best. So I I stopped smoking and I stopped drinking coffee like oh, a god. couple weeks ago before coming here <laughs> and brad's like let's go get you a carton of fucking cigarettes what are you talking about <laughs> and started smoking i like, started smoking and and drinking coffee again and then they went back to do vocals a couple days later and there it was came back
1: oh. so he's like thank god i don't rely on smoking oh god i can not I imagine that when i was like 18 yeah
0: but i mean just how <laughs> how funny it's like those are two things right, right. that are like supposed to be really terrible they dehydrate you and all of that but yeah, like yeah it's all that so stuff funny.
1: people try to give me that and i'm like i don't know i've, I've faked it till now um, yeah you know it's it's so
0: funny um, yeah. it, Every everyone just has their own you know their body adjusts in in whatever way that you know makes makes it work for them
1: yeah i remember during dead guy like i was never without fisherman's friend you know like i had certain like things after a show just you know my throat might hurt a little bit physically and so like those things were so powerful, I just sort of liked having them. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't tell someone else they had like I yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't presume because I'm like, I don't, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Right. I know, I know it works. You know? Totally. And it's funny because like the first tour I did with No Escape, um, I never lost my voice, right? Because I had figured it out. The guy from Railhead, Darren Walters, who sang more emo style, was like losing his voice le- left and right, you know, and yeah. So it is what it is. It is but what it is. Yeah, everybody's got to figure out how to how to do that shit. I think. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, before actually, before I let you go, I wanted to I wanted to just quickly ask about art stuff, which which is when you were you know active with all of these bands. Um, were you, how did you juggle your time between like getting like were you getting? hired by all these different because it, it seemed like once kiss, once you were with kiss goodbye on rev you kind of became a go-to guy for rev you did a lot of their releases right um but were you having a lot of jobs coming in while you were doing the band or like how were you dividing your time
1: um the it was actually sporadic enough um doing other bands stuff so it never it never became an issue the, the issue with doing band stuff was I started having bands send me shit? And if I hated the band, I was like, I can't do this. Yeah. Um, so that became an issue. Yeah. Of like
0: I don't relate uh, to your band, so I don't yeah, know what to so make. So I sort yeah. of only
1: started just taking stuff from people I knew, you know. Um
0: were bands giving you direction, or were you kind of or were they like no, I'm not a lot I'm of bands like
1: being given direction? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so like Jordan would like, you know, be like, "Hey, can you work on a like a Youth of Today thing or whatever?" Like, or like with like um, I did Shades Apart. They had the artwork for the cover, you know. So, art they already had that in mind, and I sort of laid it out. And I don't know, it was, it was different for each band. um But I I actually found I didn't like love doing other bands stuff. Like I like doing my stuff because yeah. I can go really nuts. Um, uh, and I, I still am that way for the most part i'll do a couple of things for bands but i also didn't figure out how to get that to pay the bills you know um yeah like i worked at ad agencies and stuff like that that paid me off so now it's like if i do stuff it'll be for <laughs> it'll be for a band i like and i have no expectations yeah. in terms of money
0: have you know, done yeah. Did you do the art for like the process black, seven inch and all of that sort of no, stuff? No, I, like,
1: I actually let Aaron do that. Um, okay. Late, but yeah. Um, cause he's a designer too. And I was like, yeah. I was like, what well, is it going to be? This will be interesting if I actually don't do it. Yeah.
0: Did you do the bitter branches? <laughs> I would have
1: branch- done it so different. Did
0: like, you do the bitter branches? Oh yeah. I do all oh, the bitter okay. branches yeah. stuff.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm doing all the, I didn't do the, like the dead guy poster for the documentary. Yeah. I purposely did not do, cause I sort of wanted it to be, like not like a dead guy product. I want it to be like this third party, because it's a third party doing the documentary about us. So I wanted so there's this guy from Instagram who's awesome. One trick pony. I don't know if you follow him. Mm-hmm. His, his name's Simon. His shit's great. And he's actually his whole feed is just old flyers that he redoes in his style. Oh wow. And it's fucking cool. I'll I'll send I'll send you. Yeah. You um but yeah, I mean, right now it's between bitter branches, dead guy, no escape. Um, am I in a fourth band? I don't think so. Like that's keeping me so busy. I bet. Oh my God. I can't keep up. It, uh, it's nice to
0: see, you know, yeah. like uh, you're, you're making me feel like, you know, <laughs> I could just keep doing this, uh, you know, longer and longer,
1: you know? Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. John Brandon just turned 60, man. So
0: I saw that. Yeah. It's crazy.
1: But I think he's on the road like 10 months out of the year. I can.
0: Yeah. Um. When does that documentary come out?
1: <laughs> the same weekend, like I, the weekend of the, uh, the show in Philly. So oh, there's, okay. a, there's a there's there's like a movie premiere.
0: Oh, nice.
1: That, um, for like that seats like 200 250 people. Yeah. And like me and Dave are going to do like Q& and and A Q&A Q&A. kind nice. of thing. Yeah. Uh,
0: Wish I could see that. I'm not used it? to this. You know.
1: Yeah, this, yeah, yeah. It, it sounds weird to say out loud. You know have you seen it is it done no i purposely it's done but i've not seen it i don't want to see it and i want to see with everybody else you know, i'm i'm
0: noticing a, a pattern with you when when we talked the other day and i was like yo your bitter branches set that eight five six six but if this is pretty sick you're like yeah i haven't watched it <laughs> I yeah can't, i can't I mean, it makes me feel uh, weird
1: yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah and the movie all part also with the movie um it's more that's more about i don't want any of us in the band to be like Hey, can you do this? Can you do that? And like, right. have art, you know, less less about crispy, more about me. Like, not that any of us operate that yeah. way, but it's like, hey, if I say something cringy, leave it in there. You yeah, know what I mean, I, I I'm, a, you know, it's got to be warts and all. That's my, that's the reason I don't want to see it. Yeah. So, um I feel yeah. that. I'm hoping there's no footage of me being a dick from you know 1994, like. But maybe there is, you know?
0: <laughs> I, you know, it's funny. I was thinking, I think my first introduction to Dead Guy was that VHS release that Victory Records did. Oh, wow. Yeah, I think that was the first. That's crazy. I think that was the first time. I mean, I learned a lot about different bands in there. Uh, like Vision of Disorder was like the first hardcore band that I ever got into. Um, VOD. VOD. Yeah, yeah. And I saw, and I bought the VHS because I saw that they were on it. And then it introduced me to like, you know, all of these bands and that's it took me down that hole, but, uh, but yeah, I think that was the first time that ever heard of dead guy. And then shortly thereafter found a copy of fixation. Um, so yeah, I mean, this is, this has been a blast for me. I really appreciate your time. I want to, uh, I wrap every show up with asking, um, do you remember the first time where you felt like you were doing the thing that you had been like working so hard towards with any of your bands?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's funny because, I, I, yes, of course, um, the first time No Escape played live, right, to me, that was the final test, right, um, we lived in South Jersey, had to drive all the way up to Connecticut, It's was like four or five hour drive to the Anthrax. Opening for Burn and Quicksand, so you know, really shitty debut. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Not only that, we were late because of traffic. Yeah, um, and played after Burn, so we oh. our first show was Burn, then us, then Quicksand. Like fucking a, wow. Um, and like the whole that whole week, that whole drive up, sick to my stomach, couldn't keep food down couldn't stay off the toilet you know that kind of thing um because i'm like in high school i i couldn't even do an oral report like i couldn't get up in front of a classroom like without being i I would literally cut classes and cut my first year of college if it had an oral thing i would skip that class like shit like that right um just no interest in being a public person whatsoever and but i was like fuck man if i'm gonna do this i have to like I have to cross this bridge and you know, practice was one thing. Recording was one thing, but doing the live thing at the fucking anthrax, you know, um, that's, and then when I, the second I got up on stage, like I, I remember someone handing me a flyer to like read something about the next week's shows. And I'm like, I, don't oh know if I can fucking read this thing.
0: Yeah. You know? Oh, that's and, intimidating.
1: Yeah. And then um, I get up on stage and then the second the music plays, cause then I'm like, what if I forget all the fucking words, all that kind of shit. Right. Yeah. And then the second, the music plays. I was like, "Fine," and that's when I was like, "Okay, I can do this." Yeah. And and I shall do this for as long as I can. Yeah. So that did, that that was it for me.
0: Did going forward, did it make having to do things in front of classes and stuff like, did it open you up a little bit? Like, did you find no. yourself? No. <laughs> no, is that weird? Yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, like you know those experiences you know can alter your life to all of a sudden now you're a little more comfortable in your own skin in certain situations like that but
1: what it, what it did was i realized um it's like you're different like if if i'm in a room like like i'll have no problem at this movie premiere talking because if i feel like i understand the audience and they understand me and they're seeing the real me and i'm not trying to sell something that i don't believe in then i'm fine but yeah. if I'm like at an ad agency and I've got to present to a giant corporate client and it's bullshitty stuff, then I'm not fine. Right. And yeah. that that's how I used to feel at agencies. Like, like I get, and I'd be like, why the fuck do I get worked up? And I don't get worked up. I might play to like a couple hundred people this weekend and I'll get worked up in a room of 20 fucking people. And I'm like, because it's just the set it it's like, there's like different versions of you. It's like that, that, yeah. that whole King face concept, like the band, like, i think when i'm in music and i'm doing this that's like me no apologies like no no filters no bullshit and that's very comfortable for me yeah um, no the I feel second that. i feel like there's pretense you know um like i i can't do scripted shit you know what i mean like i, I, I you know i'd rather i'd rather like do a giant q a than prepare a speech and go up there and read from a teleprompter or something you
0: know? right oh i feel that um, completely i yeah. i had a and there's a, other people
1: a, with the opposite
0: yeah no I, it's it's fascinating like i i was i did this poetry book and i was thinking about like oh i should maybe do like a reading at maybe like one of the diy spaces here in la but to test the water i did a live reading like a like a like a live stream reading for people on this patreon that i do and i stumbled through it i was sweating profusely it was like the most humiliating thing and it was kind of nice to be humiliated like that where i was like it was it's kind of nice to be kind of you know brought yeah. ba- brought back down a little bit but it made me be like i can never do this like in right. front of people like it brought me back to doing book reports and as you mentioned it's like i'm with you it's like it's not it's, it's yeah. not my favorite thing but yeah throw me up on stage in front of a couple hundred people with you know with my, so you just like you have your band to hide behind a little bit too you're all up there together that also sometimes can help Yeah, there's a little bit of a teamwork thing yeah, yeah. for sure yeah um, no i feel that
1: but it's like you know dead guy's gonna play it theoretically to like 2500 people yeah and people are like oh my god are you gonna be nervous i'm like not really yeah i'm, more, I'm nervous about expectations maybe um and i'm I don't want anybody to get hurt. <laughs> like, literally, that's what I'm, I'm like. If I see someone getting hurt, yeah, like I probably will say something. Yeah. But other than that, like, I, I want to see people going fucking crazy. i like, yeah. the more than merrier. Like, yeah, I don't know. I'm oh. sure you've played to a ton of people. So it's like,
0: ah, oh, you know. it's it's the best feeling. It's the best yeah. feeling. I'm, I'm excited for you. Well, that do you think that'll be the biggest show you've ever played?
1: Maybe like Kissing Goodbye, Toured with Unseen. And we played L.A., I forget where. And Unsane had just come off of a tour, I think, with Slayer. Right? Oh, wow. And, yeah. and their song Scrape was playing on MTV. So that L.A. show was huge. I think it was a couple of thousand. I wonder, like it, it was like the
0: palladium. wonder if it was like right the
1: It was somewhere fucking crazy. Like the rest of the tour was like normal. But L.A. Yeah. like loved Unsane. Because I remember going, This that was the biggest show I ever played. Um, are you like looking it up i'm
0: I'm typing (laughs) uh it's probably
1: 1996 or 7 and for all i know it was like 500 people but it felt oh sure you know but it felt big
0: yeah um man well uh, i don't know if it's gonna be easy (laughs) to find um if i find it i'm gonna let you know but uh i'm excited i'm so excited and uh I'm, i'm really looking forward to it it's gonna be you know Kind of like a it's a bucket list for me. There's you know there's like a handful of bands left that I never got to see, and it's you know we're in the age where these things become possibilities. So
1: yeah, no, it's crazy. Yeah. So we will we will not disappoint.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I I can't wait. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's gonna be. I want there to be more. Some I'm I'm working on the guys. We'll see. (laughs)
0: Love it. I can do two bands. (laughs) Fuck yeah, fuck yeah. Yeah. All right, well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate this. This has been a blast.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. See
0: you, man. And that's our show. Thank you so much to Tim Singer for hanging out. And thank you for listening. Don't forget to check out the Patreon over at patreon.com slash the first ever Patreon. Or subscribe to the show here on Apple, Spotify, wherever you're listening. And if you wouldn't mind reading and reviewing the show over on Apple, That would mean a whole lot. All right, I'll see you next week. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye.